0: Oh man, what is up everybody? Welcome to another Thursday edition of the Hard Rock Lunchbox. Not that there would be many other editions of it, although I have been known to do the occasional uh, charity and, and uh, radio-a-thon show. Uh, I am not doing that today. <laughs> Sorry, my microphone is still set up from when uh, Annie was in the studio here, and I'm just trying to get it back to normal. I uh, everybody liked that interview with Annie. I thought it was pretty good. Annie's always a very good guest to have in studio. I did. Uh, I did pop up the brand new episode of the Top Twenty. It came out this morning, uh, just as morning started, and uh, I did not get. <laughs> I did not get my video from Ms. Stoic. So. I just went with a uh, series of pictures, so it looks like I'm talking to a slideshow. If it looks like I'm talking to a slideshow, that's because that's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> Annie is always a very good guest. She's always also a very interesting interview because of kind of um, the role she plays in, um, like in our. Uh, local circle for starters and also the fact that she's very on the national stage and has access to that sort of stuff and also that she works directly in the music business like the touring and production end of the tour, the business and stuff like that and then also fronts an all-girl band so it's like she she has a lot of perspective on things that I don't have because I am not that person and and yes that's the way it's supposed to be but I always find those interviews uh, very very interesting because yeah, a lot of my guests, um, you know, especially like Mikey and Jimmy and stuff like that. Like we have a lot of similarities, so we can talk, We can talk a lot about like stuff we have in common and stuff like that. And I find that with Annie, it's a lot more uh, enlightening to talk about the differences that we have because of the different places the different spaces we occupy. So I strongly recommend that interview. Uh, it was for the top 20, but we actually filmed for 55 minutes. So top 55, if you will. And uh, that is available right now on Strangerhood TV. You can check that out. And, of course, the rest of the interview will be uh, on the Hard Rock Launchbox Box podcast, uh, which you can get Spotify, Apple, anywhere you get podcasts. Feel free to check that out. That's just a replay of this show without most of the music. And that's, and that's kind of that. In other uh, Strangerhood TV news, it is the Bacon is My Podcast anniversary. Yeah. Give it up. Um, yeah, man. That was uh, that. W- that's a big deal. Like uh, you know, a year on a podcast. Ask anybody that's had an idea to do a podcast or some sort of show and put up anywhere from one to five episodes. How hard it is to actually do a podcast for a year? It's a big deal. It's a, it's a big deal. And I do. Uh, if you actually watch the beginning of it, which I recommend, even if you don't watch all of it, I recommend you watch the beginning. Anybody likes a cool origin story. Um know, the way that just sort of formed into a podcast is very original and organic, and I thought it was interesting, uh, especially as somebody that was part of the early um, pre-podcast stuff, just the kind of getting together and what it's like. Like, it's a lot of fun getting together with people that, like, you like to hang out with and stuff. It's not always the most productive, like, in terms of producing a final product, but it's it's pro- it's productive in the way that it's conducive to be that it's conducive to be around it's conducive to producing being pro- being productive being around people that are of like mind and then you enjoy being with because creativity kind of flows in the in those in those environments where it's like fun and you're laughing and you can mess with people like i know i don't i don't know I think I mentioned this on the box. Uh, I don't know what this shift in, uh, like, the Revel 9 energy has been uh, lately, but it's been a lot more fun to be at practice. I think it's because we actually have a path now. We have a direction. We're, we're working on stuff in terms of shows, and, like, we're even talking about recording stuff again. Like, all that stuff, like, when you're just sort of spiraling, just doing nothing and for no reason, like, it, yeah, there's not a lot of drive there, and I don't know. It's, it tends to be a lot less fun, but it's been a lot more fun lately and I think it's because you have like this sort of unified thing that you're trying to do. So when you're in a, an environment that's a lot more conducive to productivity, then I think it's it's a good thing and and uh, they talk about like how there was just so much like BS like before we would actually do anything. And on the couple of times that I w- w- would head down to Mikey's studio to work on stuff, that's exactly what it was. you know we would just be like, shooting the shit for like an hour or so or whatever before we'd actually do anything or in, in the middle of doing stuff because that's kind of what friends do and stuff like that and that's that's how that works out and they refer to the whole fly on the wall thing like people for years years have asked um, you know or or sort of like assumed what it's like to be a fly on the wall and some of the conversations that have gone on in you know various groupings of kind of like what like, local sandbox and i've said for years like it's you know it's not like the freemasons i mean i'm just assuming i don't know what the freemasons do on saturday but like it's not it's not something like that where it's just like you know ritualistic and weird and stuff like that i mean like sure there's some of that but like there's always the like what's it like backstage like you know what it's like backstage like pulling gear out of the van and putting it back in again afterwards that's what it's like backstage you know what i mean uh the difference is is like when you're friends with very talented people, you necessarily have very talented friends, and that is, I guess, different and special. I've been fortunate; uh, I have I have very talented friends and stuff, and I have been friends with them for a while. So, um, I I probably take it for granted, but I also that's just what I've come to kind of expect. Uh, We're doing those things, but a lot of other people have always wondered what that was. I used to get a lot of that on. On this show, like, when I first started, people were like, oh, you know, I thought it was this, that, and the other thing. And I'd be like, nope, it's this, that, and that other thing. And they were like, oh, that's just kind of, like, what it is, like, for us. Like, backstage is, like, way less fun than, like, in front of the stage. Like, there's, there's no pressure when you're hanging out. Like, you can, you know, get a drink or whatever and just chill out and have a good time. Like, backstage is, like, you know, pressure and work. Like, that that's a big thing that, like, I've tried to explain to people over the years. Like, as much as I love being on stage and doing all that stuff, like... It's a job, and it's my job, and it's what I do for a living, and it's why I get so angry and so irritated very quickly when people don't, not only don't take it as seriously as I do, but also disrespect the fact that I'm working. Like, you want to piss me off really fast? Give me a hard time at a show, and I will absolutely hold that against you for the rest of ever because I almost never go to somebody else's job and give them a hard time while they're trying to work. So I really get very offended when people do it to me plus not to sound like a dick i'm holding a job that most people can't even do so why don't you just step off with your problems and your attitude because i don't need it while i'm working save it for later put it in an email put in a comment card and send it all the way over to uh, monty at cravingstreams.net if you have any complaints about anything and i'm sure it'll get to me eventually but, yeah, in true box form, I just took a story where I was talking about somebody else and made it about myself. So it's nice to see that I still have that ability. All right. <laughs> but, yes, I highly recommend the uh, anniversary episode of, uh, of uh, Bacon is My Podcast. It's interesting to look back on it and after a year. And, like I said, like it's really not all that easy to do something for a year. Although once you get to a year, it's pretty easy to kind of keep going because you figured it out. So I would expect as long as time and commitments allow that uh, Mike and Jim will probably keep on the uh, Bacon is My Podcast uh, train or wagon or whatever you want to call it. I know they just they just hooked up with some PR. They made the announcement the other day, so I expect the guests to get a little bit better, um, certainly better than when I'm on. Hey, come on. <laughs> Uh, And, you know, maybe some new and interesting fun stuff and different sponsors. I have no idea, actually, what it means. I know I've been talking about getting PR for most of my life and have yet to do it, uh, mainly because I'm just uh, lazy, I guess. Uh, That's probably the best word, or just otherwise busy, all that other stuff. But, hey, still do this stupid show. That's right. (laughs) I'm going to apologize in advance. I am not in my typical uh, top 20 uniform i have decided to go with my much warmer nike uh hoodie because it's a little cold down here today i am in the basement studios and the temperature is not well regulated down here it's kind of um kind of air conditioning based because of the computers and stuff like that but it's a little chilly so i am in shorts but i'm also in a hoodie because apparently that's a look i'm gonna go with um do want to offer up a quick uh, birthday announcement to both my bass player and my drummer. Happy birthday to you guys. Congratulations on getting another spin around the sun. Tony's birthday is on Halloween. Noodle's birthday was on Tuesday. And uh, now that that's out of the way for a little while, we can just uh, focus in on, on real stuff. Um, I don't think I have much more uh, the Seven Questions for I didn't get a chance to watch it. The Seven Questions for Vegas, my podcast, came out last night. Uh, it's for Ansible. I guess that's I guess that's a band. Like I said, I didn't get a chance to watch it. I've just been really been really slammed for the past uh, I don't know s- several weeks for starters, but certainly this week I'm actually behind on a lot of projects. In fact, I gotta I'm gonna be bouncing out of here as close to it as possible because I've got actual work I've got to get done today, uh, like deadlines, like assignments and stuff like that. So very nice to be back in school. <laughs> oh man. So I don't know. Honestly, I haven't I've been fo- I've been following some of the political stuff because we did have just elections. Um I do hope most of you, if not all of you that are eligible, voted because I think it's an important thing to vote. I almost did not vote. I, I was running out of time, but I ended up getting up there to vote anyway. I, I find it um, civically responsible and important to vote. I am a big proponent of having Election Day be a national holiday. It's that way in most developed countries. It is not that way in this country because the powers that be do not want you to vote. Like it's it's that simple. Like I've I've said it a million times. Like anytime you are looking at a way to restrict voting, it's because the people that are trying to do that don't want you to vote. People in power generally do better the less people vote. And if you want to split along party lines, Republicans always do better than Democrats when less people vote, and that's pretty much what just happened. Democrats are inherently lazy when it comes to voting uh, especially when things are kind of lukewarm uh, unless there's something to really vote for like um, like when Obama ran like that was something that people were like oh I got excited about it like we should do that like that was that's a very common Democratic thing Republicans tend to vote against things and these are this is not a slam at all it's just a, it's a Demographically, sociological—these these are knowable facts, and you can check them out. They tend to vote against things um, that look to sort of change their outcomes and stuff like that. So, but what was interesting about this last election um, polling most places, like in New Jersey and Virginia, that had like overwhelmingly large Republican turnouts? The number one number one reason for coming out and voting uh, on Tuesday was because the election was stolen from Trump. That's the number one reason. The number one reason given on exit polls was that. Um, Which is funny because it's a lie, and it's been proven to be not true over and over again, which makes me feel even worse about a lot of the electorate and how simply dumb they are. I mean... I don't know how much more proof you need, and it doesn't really matter because you won't believe it anyway, but that should be starting to scare everybody on Earth that isn't one of those people because if you're motivated by a huge lie like that to change your political landscape, like, that's dangerous. Like, that happens in dictatorships, you know what I mean? Like, most notably stuff like, I don't know, World War II Germany when they blamed a lot of stuff on a certain group of people and a lot of people started believing it and voted in that way? Like Anybody just ringing a bell for anyone? Uh, The number two reason actually in Virginia was a little more interesting because they said they uh, were voting based on education because Virginia Democrats, I guess, I mean the Virginia government, which was basically democratic was trying to was looking to add in, um, I don't think it was the critical race theory that Texas was all upset about, but they were looking to augment education uh, about um, people of color and sort of their history. They were looking to, to augment that. A few years ago, they were trying to do that in Mississippi, uh, because the Mississippi government, which is all Republican, was... Uh, was changing the way they were representing slavery in their history books. Uh, and to the point where they had history books changed to say that Mississippi did not secede from the Union uh, because because of slavery. They said, no, 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 it was all this other stuff. It wasn't slavery. We were never pro We would have given it up. And when you actually go back and look at the documents, the actual document of secession in the first paragraph is absolutely, you cannot take our slaves. So... So it started like kind of a national movement. Like, what the hell are we actually teaching our kids? Because despite having, despite having a federal Department of Education, there are the it generally defers to the states. The states really get to decide like what gets taught in their state schools, and it's a little interesting when you look at the states that don't talk. About the way American Indians were relocated, or the way slavery affected the South and the North, um, and they don't talk about like some of the really big stuff that kind of came up. Like they removed, like okay, so after after the Civil War, there were a lot of predominantly uh, black politicians from the South because. They were freed. You know what I mean? Like, by the Emancipation Proclamation freed those slaves. And there were a lot of black uh, political leaders in the South. And actually, in some places, they were winning elections because... You know, people of color were now allowed to vote, too. And that was kind of like a big deal. And obviously, you can imagine that the Southern whites probably were not all that happy about it, especially now that they had elected officials. And there were several accounts of whites coming in and just wiping out populations of black Americans. Several. Uh, in fact, there's that one... Well, there's definitely a couple in, like, uh, the Virginia and the Carolinas area. That was a big one. But there's that one. I, I want to say it's in Oklahoma or Nebraska. I really should look this up. I'll try and look it up during the show, and maybe I'll just send a link in the chat. But it's a fascinating thing how it was, like, this total town-wide genocide, and the town covered it up for, like, 100 years. Like, like that's... In our country within the past 200 years. Like, I just, I find that fascinating. And what a lot of these Southern courses were teaching was that none of this stuff existed. And then the federal government was like, what? You can't just, you can't just leave out stuff that's, you know, true or gloss over. And they were like, yeah, we can. States... That's the states have their own board of education. They decide like what it is they want to teach and stuff like that. Now, for most of the people that listen to me up in the Northeast, that's not really a problem because it hasn't really been an issue. Like, I mean, there is, let me tell you, like, the stuff I've been, like, learning with Charlotte, like, watching different sources of history will blow your mind. Like, even Corey had said the other day, like, he's like, I never learned any of this stuff in school. I never learned any of this stuff in school. She certainly didn't either. The amount of stuff that just dropped from basic education, in, in, in this, especially in social studies, where I feel like it's a lot more, you know, who's, who's in charge that decides... Like, what gets taught. Like, the stuff that she is learning just blows my mind. The stuff I learned about, like, even European history, about, like, the Napoleonic Wars and stuff over the past year, I was talking about that on the box not too long ago, just blows my mind that that's stuff that I wasn't taught. I was in every AP class they offered in high school, and this is stuff I didn't know. Like, I can't even imagine what people in, like, remedial social studies are being taught. I mean, this is probably why people can't find, like, places like Florida on a map, or New York, for that matter, on a map. Like, it just... You know, there's 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 a whole lot of problems when it comes to education, like, where, you know, there are people that are just not smart, like, in, genetically not intelligent. And, and that's not my fault for pointing it out. It's your parents' fault for having you. Like, And I'm sorry if that sounds harsh, but, like, again, not my problem. Like, that's just the way that it is. But the simple fact that we're not even pushing enough information into the brains that can't handle it just just drives me crazy. And now you have all this other stuff where, like, people are trying to correct what kids are being taught because if you don't know, like, seriously, if you didn't know about stuff like the Trail of Tears and, like, the American Indian relocations and, like, Sitting Ball and, like, all the stuff that happened, like, if you didn't know any of that, you'd be like, oh, it's pretty weird that all the American Indians just settled into these little small square places, had casinos and drug problems. Like, that's not what happened. It's not how it happened. And I don't expect anybody to know that unless they stumble upon it, are super interested in it for some reason, or they get taught that in school. And the fact that all these places are just trying to color like what they teach in school because, and pardon the pun because color is probably the wrong word, but like discolor all the stuff that they teach in school is really just like absurd and abhorrent. And nobody seems to be upset but me. (laughs) But anyway, that was the number two thing in Virginia. People came out, they're like, we don't want you telling us what we're going to teach our kids. And I'm like, Oh, that's okay. All right. So, so C plus coal miner, married, <laughs> part time B minus, you know, hair cutter, and they're going to decide what to teach the next generation based on their extensive knowledge of socioeconomics. I guess. <laughs> like... How about you let me decide? what your kids learn. Why aren't they just tuned? I bet you if they tuned in for the first 20 minutes of the box every day, everybody would be instantly smarter or dumber. Either one. It's just fine. But I'm sorry. I didn't mean to talk all that much. I'm going to try and get into the chat here and see what's going on, seeing as I missed so much of it yesterday because, you know, how Annie is. Just talk, talk, talk the whole time, so I didn't get to see anything in the chat. But I'm going to go read the chat right now and find out what's going on. Uh, And in the meantime, I shall entertain you with this thusly. It's a little rise against on the box.